Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily. And I have to be honest with you. I am so tired, I was debating whether or not to to do a podcast today. I'm telling you, this year, 2017, is just kicking everybody's ass. It, it really is. Um... And I know that because I, I've i traveled all over the continent this year, and uh, I just talked to a guy 10 minutes ago who you know, was laughing, telling me his stories about how weird this year has been. And um, But I, I, want, I want to tell you a little bit more than I usually do about my personal life because that um, – Maybe you can relate to this. Maybe it has some connection to what's been happening with your experience. I mean, obviously, because you listen to this podcast, well, we're connected at very least. Even if I've never met you, if you listen to this podcast, that connects us in a way. And um, so maybe it's just certain people who are on a particular wavelength who are really experiencing just how bizarre everything is. But uh, I just and I could, you know, I could go on and on uh, giving examples. Uh, obviously, you know, you know, I have a lot of interest in in Puerto Rico. I have a place in Puerto Rico, and the hurricane happened and all that. So, I, I just want to get more specific, however, and tell you about my past couple of days, including some of the things that I learned about the Georgia Guidestones. I'll be getting to that in a minute. So, um, yesterday, Lauren and I, well, okay, let me, let me, let me start, um, before that. Okay. So I'm in Asheville, North Carolina right now. And so when we went out to Vegas for this past month, we decided instead of flying out of Asheville to fly out of Atlanta, uh, there are many advantages to doing that, including that it is a very nice, smooth, nonstop flight if you go from Atlanta to Vegas and back. And uh, I have flown so much that I, I definitely, more than most people, understand the value of just having a nonstop flight where you get on and you get off and you're there. So we... Um, we rented a car from Enterprise here in Asheville, and uh, we drove to Atlanta, and then we flew from Atlanta to Vegas, and everything went great. As a matter of fact, when we got to Vegas, I rented a couple cars in Vegas, had fun out there, rented a convertible, got to cruise around, and it's pretty uh, pretty neat to go down the uh, Vegas Strip when uh, you don't have uh, a roof over your head because you get to see all the lights in, in, in grand style. And so so then we flew, of course, from, from Vegas back to Atlanta. We stayed in Atlanta for a few days. And then um, yesterday I went to Enterprise to rent my car to come back from Atlanta to Asheville. Now, that's a four-hour drive. And I don't even know how many times I've rented cars in my life. And 
Enterprise would not rent me a car yesterday. Um, and this is the first time that's ever happened in my entire life. And they would not rent me a car to drive four hours from Atlanta to Asheville because I had an out-of-state driver's license and I don't have a credit card. Now, the reason I don't have a credit card is that I believe that credit cards are evil. And I think that credit cards are a scam. And I haven't had a credit card in a long time. Um, and the fact that I had an out-of-state driver's license shouldn't have been a big deal because I imagine people all the time are renting a car because they're driving from one place to another. They would not rent me a car without a credit card. And I mean, I, you know, I, I could have made a big deal out of it and been upset because frankly, the car, we were renting a little compact car um, to drive up here. I have enough money to buy that car. Uh, and yet they would not rent me the car just because I don't have a credit card. So this is some kind of uh, an evil scam. And, and, and by the way, if you are listening to this and you happen to work for a rental car company, uh, I hope that you will pass the word along that this is a ridiculous bullshit policy and this, you, your company will eventually suffer for this. I can guarantee you that. So that said, it's like, well, okay, so how are we going to get back? And then Lauren said, you know what? There is a U-Haul right down the road. Why don't we see if we can get a U-Haul? Now, just the two of us would, like, carry on luggage. And uh, so I said, all right, fine. So we went to U-Haul, boom, we had a we had a box truck within like 10 minutes. It was so easy. It was so simple. As a matter of fact, I think it would have actually cost less than my rental would have cost. And so, uh, which shows you the how illogical this is, because I guarantee you this box truck um, was is it was worth way more money than this stupid little like compact car that we were going to use to make the four hour jaunt from Atlanta to Asheville. But sure as shit, we rented this U-Haul box truck and drove <laughs> drove from Atlanta to Asheville. And uh, so as we're as we're heading uh, back. Uh, that's that's when we decided to visit the Georgia Guidestones, and uh, and again I'm going to get back to the Georgia Guidestones, and that's when we made that uh, that little drop off there, and I shot some video and everything. But get a load of this. So as soon as we got to the U-Haul place to drop off our U-Haul <laughs> box truck, I uh, I called my mom, and my mom told me that my dad had been rushed to the hospital to have um, heart surgery, which he is now in the process of going through. And so it was just like, welcome back to Asheville. I mean, just like amazing drama. 
And because my dad had a heart attack about seven and a half years ago, something like that. And so he, as we speak, he's being prepped for, for heart surgery. Um, now, first off, I, I, I want to say this. Uh, don't worry. I know that my dad's going to be fine. Um, I wrote, use the force. I'm a Jedi. I'm telling you my dad's going to be fine. So there's no need to send me any kind of messages like, oh, I'm praying for you or, you know, whatever. You know, don't even worry about that. My dad's going to be fine, I'm telling you. But, you know, obviously, you know, my mom and my sister, um, they're very upset. And uh, so that's sort of like the environment that I that I came back to here. And so Lauren and I have had very little sleep and uh, we we kind of hit the ground running from this big, crazy month that we had in Vegas. And again, I'm telling you this because I don't know, maybe you're going through similar types of like amazing drama and uh and i want you to know that you're you're not alone uh and i could go on and on and on but what i will tell you about this however is that i'm really looking forward to 2017 being over with uh because i do believe in my heart of hearts that uh, 2018 is going to be a really good year but that's how it goes when you transition from one point to another um some of the old things have to break down in ways you can't predict or expect in order for new better things to to grow and um this is this is just a part of the the cycle and the circle of life um so all that said, to give you a little background, you know, don't blame me if I sound a little bit loopy right now because uh, it's just been uh, so so odd. Um, it, it, this, to me, has kind of uh, punctuated the weirdness of being at the Georgia Guidestones yesterday, and of course, I gave you my in my last podcast a little live field report standing there in front of the Georgia Guidestones. And um, hopefully you listened to the last podcast. If not, just to do kind of a general recap without getting too deep into this. Uh, In 1980, this strange man appeared in Elberton, Georgia. and, uh, And I've seen numerous TV programs and stuff about this. And this guy... Um, he went into a bank and he told the banker, my name is R.C. Christian. And he admitted that was a fake name. And he said that I represent a group of people who would like to erect this granite monument, which people now often call America's Stonehenge. So we're talking about these over 19-foot-tall pillars that stand out there in the countryside in the middle of nowhere and have what kind of amounts to like 10 commandments that are written in different uh, various languages. Um, And so, and also it has uh, little features, like little astronomical features, alignments, 
with holes and and slots and things that uh, will connect to celestial uh, alignments and all that. So anyway, um, so this 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 banker helped this guy keep this whole project anonymous as requested, and then they went to a granite company. And it's my understanding that the guy who owned the granite company heard about the project and thought that uh, this fella, R.C. Christian, was obviously uh, some kind of a nut. And so he actually gave a quote for the project that was higher than it probably should have been. And the guy was like, fine, boom, let's do this. So sure enough, they they erected these... uh, these guidestones, and to this day, officially, nobody knows exactly who is behind this project and, and who R.C. Christian was and like what the purpose of this is. So what I'm going to do right now is read you the 10 guides, or the 10 guidelines, I guess is what I should say, the 10 guidelines that you find on the Georgia Guidestones. And uh, in my last podcast, I mentioned that this is controversial for a number of reasons. So I think the biggest one is the first one. Number one, it says, maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. And the reason that's controversial is that, well, you have Earth here with billions of people on it. So how do you you maintain humanity? humanity under 500 million like what what does that mean practically speaking what do you do do you go kill a bunch of people are we talking about eugenics i mean like how do you do that and so a lot of folks who believe that uh there's this sinister illuminati and stuff out there think that that has something to do with this Uh, and i'm going to give you my opinion on all this uh, shortly trust me uh, so that's number one. Number two also seems to apply to this. And number two says, guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. Okay, again, uh, what does that mean? How, what, how do you do that? What What policies... What practices are involved to guide reproduction wisely? Number three, unite humanity with a living new language. Hmm. A living new language. Okay. Well, first off, uh, unite humanity. That's a pretty easy thing to to write down, but how do you do that? We're not, apparently we're not even close to doing that. How do you unite humanity for anything? Unite humanity with a living new language. Number four, it says rule, passion, faith, tradition, and all things with tempered reason. Okay. Number five, protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts. All right, that sounds good. Number six, 
let all nations rule internally, resolving external disputes in a world court. So we're definitely, again, you know, hinting at this idea that there's going to be some global authority. Uh, number seven, avoid petty laws and useless officials. Well, boy, that's a good one. We can all agree on that, right? Number eight, <clears throat> balance personal rights with social duties. Hmm, what's a social duty? What does that mean? I mean, personal, I mean, I get the gist of it. Like, all right, you, uh, you, you have to pay the piper. You get a right and you have to contribute somehow in order to earn that right, and I guess that's a, a social duty. Number nine, it says, and I'm, I'm just, uh, this, this is kind of uh, grammatically weird, but it says, truth, beauty, love, seeking harmony with the infinite. Okay. And then number 10, is the only one that is sort of redundant. It says, be not a cancer on the earth. Leave room for nature. Leave room for nature. So those are the Ten Commandments, if you want to call them that, that are carved into the Georgia Guidestones in the middle of nowhere in the countryside of Elbert County, Georgia. They were put there in 1980 by this strange, mysterious, man who represented some strange mysterious group and we don't know to this day who put it there but they put a lot of money out and now that property is public property now you would imagine that the the, the concept behind erecting um, a monument like this and, and if you've never seen this please get on the internet and look up Georgia Guidestones and you'll see pictures because it's a number of pillars that are assembled that do look very much like a Stonehenge kind of arrangement. Uh, you would imagine that maybe uh, this was produced with all this stuff carved in granite so that if and when the day comes when we destroy ourselves through nuclear war or whatever, maybe this stuff will survive. Um, it's in a pretty stable part of the world. And then... Um, this is a key for humanity to kind of reboot itself and then start over with um, some of this basic information as well as, again, the uh, the calendar and the references to, like, this is what we call north and south and east and west, and this, uh, this aligns with this celestial body, and this marks this day on this calendar if you look through this hole, and et cetera, et cetera. So it's a really interesting idea, right? And <clears throat> when I went there, after having heard about this for most of my life, um, I was hoping that even though I'd seen it on TV and I, I'd read about it on the internet, maybe if you go there in person, you will see things at the layout that uh, you can't get on the internet that will give you some clue as to what's going on. But I can honestly tell you that when I went there, um, I didn't see anything profound like that. Uh, there's a big field next to it with horses, 
there's a house down the road. Um, one thing that was just kind of kind of odd is that somebody had recently dropped by, I think like the day before, and left a little doll there. It was like a little foam Japanese doll of uh, what was it? What was that doll? Like like a little reindeer, yeah. Which makes sense, you know. It's Christmas, and said uh, and and somebody'd written on the on the doll the date, and I think they said we're from Norcross, and I believe that's a town in Georgia. So, I, but I didn't see like any uh, obvious amazing thing. And uh, that that would give me deeper insight into to what's going on here. So <clears throat> I figure, well, let's go to Elberton. Let's go to the county seat and see if I can discover more about this. Just gossip. You know, small town, southern America. Somebody's got to know something, right? And so we went to uh, Elberton, and uh, boy, talk about an iconic little southern town. I mean, the the little downtown square, I mean, it looked like a a movie set. Um, I mean, there were some facades that literally looked like they were fake, you know. Um, But I found out very quickly, because it's, plastered all over the place, that Elberton, Georgia, is known as the granite capital of the world. And apparently businessmen and businesswomen come from all over the world all the time to do granite business. So that would make sense, wouldn't it, that you, if you're going to erect a giant granite monument, this would be a good place to do it. Uh, it, I'm assuming it would be much more affordable because <laughs> can you imagine how much it costs to ship tons of granite around? So that right off the bat struck me. They have all kinds of interesting graveyards around there with uh, elaborate tombstones and stuff because everybody there is a is an expert when it comes to working working granite. But here's what we did. We went around uh, Elberton, Georgia, and we went into shops and restaurants and hotels and things, and we talked to people, and uh, I didn't want to just walk right in and say, Hello, I'm Joshua P. Warren, and I want to know what you know about the Georgia Guidestones. No, that's not the approach. You know, I would go into a place, and uh, I would give them some business, you know, and buy something, start chatting with them. See, see what they said, you know, when, when, if it seemed appropriate. And everybody was very, very friendly. Um, I would say, so, uh, yeah, we just went and saw the Georgia Guidestones. Well, who do you think put that there? Like, you know, what, what's the story there? And the first thing that I thought was weird was that most of the people we talked to, including people who were natives, who'd lived there their whole lives, said, we really don't know. And, 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 and that's kind of hard to believe that you could be in such a small town in Georgia out, you know, again, I keep saying in the middle of nowhere or whatever, but I mean that you could be out there and there would be this attraction that has 
been so weird, mysterious that it's been covered over and over in national media, all these TV shows and stuff, and and and, and but the locals just don't know. So I, I thought, well, that doesn't make sense because you know how it goes. Everybody hears a little gossip, right? about everything that happens in a little town. So I, I thought that was that was funny. And <clears throat> so then I went into this one store and and I the guy who who owned the store was there and uh he told me some things about the Georgia Guidestones that I'd never heard before. And I don't know if this is true or not. Uh he said that the person, the man named, uh, who called himself R.C. Christian, um, was a foreigner. That he was not like some good old boy, you know, rich Georgia guy who was with some kind of religion or cult or club or whatever. He says, this guy's a foreigner. And he said, now I'm just repeating what he said. He said that the, he understood the guy was maybe from India or somewhere else in the Middle East or something like, something like that. And is it Pakistan or whatever, you know. And, um, or I think he might have even said something about, you know, the area around Babylonia, whatever. So he said that, you know, he got the impression this guy came in and did this and then left and went back to his own country. Now, that actually did make some sense to me because I thought, okay, that would be one reason that people in the community to this day would not know anything else about it. If this was a complete outsider who just came in, did this, and left. So... Therefore, I do believe that whoever put the Georgia Guidestones there was not from the area. I don't know if it was somebody from another country or not, or just somebody from another part of the U.S., but that does explain why the locals would not have more insight on this. The second thing that got that particular guy told me was that it's his understanding that there is another set of very similar stones that are also located somewhere around the Middle East, uh, like a complement to the Georgia Guidestones. Now, I'd never heard that before, and I don't know, again, if this is true. I have uh, not had a chance to dig into this and, and look it up. Uh, as you can imagine, given what I told you at the beginning of this podcast, I just haven't had the time. Uh but maybe if you're listening to this and you know something about it, you you know, you might be able to look it up and give me some insight. It it would be interesting to see if there is another set of these stones or something similar somewhere else in the world and um or, a, or you know, a monument like this and what the story that they have is about about those things. Um but then as as I proceeded to go, uh, again, continuing around town and, and, and asking people, uh, honestly, that was about as far as I made it. That was about all the information that I could get 
from from knocking around Elberton, Georgia. So a lot of people have been uh, emailing me just since my podcast yesterday or posting messages on Facebook and that sort of thing saying, well, okay, what do you, what do you think is happening here? Well, okay, here it is in a nutshell. Um, it, uh, it, it truly is as weird as it seems to be. There, there is some inconsistency, as I pointed out, in the messages that are given. There are also some grammatical errors in the way things are written. For example, I wish I could remember this off the top of my head, but there are literally like some English words that are misspelled. And, and, and I, will t- I will tell you this. Uh, if I were going to spend tons of money to erect granite monuments that are supposed to be there for thousands of years, uh, I would get the wording right. Um, so, uh, well, I don't, look, you can go look this up on Wikipedia, but there are some, there are words that are misspelled. There is some mis misusage of grammar and so therefore if you combine that with the fact that the locals don't know anything about the source apparently um, it really does lead me to believe that this was somebody probably from another country who came to Georgia and they chose that spot because that's the granite capital of the world. That's the number one thing. Um, and what is the group or who is the group behind this? I don't know. I mean, you know, there are all these different languages, again, that are represented, English, Spanish, Swahili, uh, Hindi, Hebrew, Arabic, Chinese, Russian, but I don't see anything in the messages here that are completely consistent with a particular group's philosophy. Um, so I don't think there's one nice, neat little answer to who these people were. But they came to Elberton, Georgia, because it's the granite capital of the world, which made it easier to do this. It made it cheaper to do this, even though it was still expensive. They wrote these things, which are not well written in some ways, that are grammatically um, you know, weird. And um, the, I think the gist of it is as you can tell from me reading these commandments to you, that we're supposed to live in harmony with nature. But they believe that a part of that means you can't have too many humans. And I look, I understand that. Like I, I told you before, uh, I, you know, I get claustrophobic when I go into these places that are super crowded, I see the traffic. I mean, I travel all over the place, and the traffic's getting 
just worse and worse all the time. So I do believe that they're probably onto something when it comes to the idea that humans are uh, overpopulating the earth. But again, the flaw is, well, what do you do about that? You know, literally, like, what is the operation that's involved? What do you just go out and kill billions of people? Because uh, that would be the first thing you'd think about uh, if you're going to take a planet that has billions of people and maintain humanity under 500 million people. And again, the rest would be other types of related uh, eugenics-type projects. But um, that said, th- this this group that put this together is is trying to talk about the balance between our relationship with planet Earth, and therefore I think that they probably believe that uh, in what we might call the Gaia theory, that, that Earth is a living thing and that we are sort of um, parasites on, on the Earth. And, and you know, there's, I'm sure there's some truth to that because, uh, you know, you see what, what we're doing here. Uh, we're all living in this bubble all earth together and what's going to happen if if we just keep expanding and expanding and and using all the resources and taking stuff that's in the ground and putting it in the sky and all that kind of thing i mean yeah eventually there we're we're making an impact that's that's for sure so for now i believe that's about as far as i can go um I don't know how much that you 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 know about me and and my my history, but uh, you know I'm involved with all kinds of different organizations and um, even even some that are considered secret societies and stuff like that. But I think this is something that was unique. I think this was a unique thing that was put here by a group of people who had a uh, particular interest and balancing human uh, existence with planet Earth, and uh, not from here. So there you go. If you know more about this, email me. Go to joshuapwarren.com. Just scroll all the way to the bottom of the homepage there. You'll find my email address. Email me. I read every single email. I cannot answer every email. I don't have enough hours of the day to do that. But uh, let me know if you know something about what I've just been saying here that would be uh, enlightening. So I hope that you uh, have eh, enjoyed my insight on this. Uh, if, if I have new uh, information that comes to light, I will share it with you. Uh, as you know, I'm presuming this podcast is called JoshuaWhoopyWarrenDaily.com because I attempt to give you one on a daily basis. So hopefully the next time I do one, I'll have a little bit more energy. But uh, <laughs> it's, again, 2017. It's, it's just kicking it's kicking some ass because it's just too much action, too much drama in this year. So I'm looking forward to 2018. Uh, my podcast here is always short. It's always free. If you go to joshuapwarren.com, you can click the uh, little link at the top that will take you to the area where you can subscribe uh, or you can just follow me on Twitter and I do my best to tweet when I have a new one. So that's it for now. Thank you for listening. Hope you found this interesting. Thank you for staying curious and I will talk to you again soon.